It's quite an honor for any Southern Baptist church to have one of their own Southern Baptist International missionaries to speak in their church. It's a very special honor. Uh, we're not able to say the names because it goes over live TV, but we're just going to call them J&J &J this morning, and you know who they are. And I'm going to ask you as a church to stand at this time, and I'm going to ask you to reach your hand out and pray for this couple and their precious three children as they serve the Lord on an international mission field in Central Asia, bringing the gospel to people who've never heard about Jesus Christ. And uh, we want the Lord to speak powerfully to each of us through the message that they will bring today. I'm excited to hear about their story. Heard a little bits and pieces, but... Let's pray together. Reach a hand forward toward them, and let's pray over them. Our Lord and our God, we are honored today to have in our midst a precious family of God that has said yes to the call of Jesus Christ to go into all the world, wherever thou leadest, and preach the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What an honor to have them with us today and to be at home with their family and friends for a short period before they'll be headed back. And so, Lord, anoint this place, anoint this pulpit, anoint this family, and let them know that we love them, we appreciate them, and we want to do everything we can to support them. I pray it in the powerful and the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. J&J. Good morning. Um, so I'm thankful to be here. And as I look out in the crowd, I see a lot of new faces and I see a lot of um, familiar faces. Did you know I didn't say old? Um, and I want to thank you all for um, my childhood spent here was spent joyfully. Um, and, and I was able to hear God's word and specifically just thinking of a lot of like Miss Marcella and Miss Alice and a lot of ladies, Miss Jenny, who all poured into me and, and many others, even if your names weren't mentioned, you were all, um, were the body of Christ. And so we build one another up and we encourage one another and we push one another towards um, good works and good deeds, right? Not for our salvation, but just because we love Christ and we want to be um, good servants to him. And so I grew up here learning a lot about um, people around the world doing work to um, see Christ made known among people who, who had never heard. And so from that knowledge and from that teaching, uh, God spurred in my heart a desire to go where there weren't as many people like, like us who didn't know about the gospel. And so we moved to Central Asia, and um, just so you know, we're pretty normal people. There's really not much special about us um, other than we felt we needed to, to go, and so we did, and we moved to Central Asia, and newsflash, it was just really hard. It's hard to learn a new language. It's hard to leave your family and move far away to a place where you don't know people, and you don't know the language, and you don't know the culture, but 
Luckily, we, we um, very quickly after landing, we, we were in a really big city of like 18 million people. So imagine Meade County, I know, and then move to 18 million people, and it was a lot. Um, and then, by the, you know, the Lord just allowed us to move to a smaller city, still of like 600,000 people, so big. But um, when we moved to that smaller city, we had the joy of um, stepping into a local church rather than being in a place where there was no local church. And when we got there, it was a mixture of um, the national people that we work with and um, people from around the world who had moved to our country in order to serve. And when um, we got there, a couple came up to us and they said, there is a couple here that we would really like for you guys to become friends with. Um, the woman is a believer, but the man is not, and we've been praying for him for almost 12 years to become a believer, but he just still has, has yet to come, but he really likes you guys for some reason. <laughs> no, they like us, and so he was like, could you just spend time with them? So about every week, we already eat dinner, so why not just invite someone else to eat dinner with us, and so they came um, to eat dinner with us almost every week or every other week, it depended. She was, I really resonated with the wife because she also um, was not from the area. She wasn't even from the country. She had married him and moved into that country, and she had been a believer, but she would admit that in a moment of just, you know, fear and weakness, she ended up marrying someone who was not a Christian, and, and that had been a really hard thing in her life, and so Anyway, the guy, we'll call them Tom and Jill, and Tom and Jill just, um, they were such good friends. We became friends with them. Not every time did we share the gospel with them. Not every time did we open the Bible with them. Oftentimes, we just had dinner with them, and we told jokes. He's a big jokester, and we spent almost a year just being friends with them, and, and then we had to move to the city um, neighboring our city because of a a visa issue, and um, while we were there, we don't, um, when we baptize people, we don't baptize them, and they're like, there's no baptistry, like in the old sanctuary, there's none of that, we just like either blow up, if it's the winter time, we blow up a pool, like a little inflatable pool, and we baptize them in the pool, or um, we baptize them in a creek, or a um, river, and so, not a fast-flowing river, but so, we had moved to the neighboring city. We had continued to talk on the phone with him, but didn't talk to them a lot. And so we get to um, the summertime, and we're having a big um, baptism service. About probably 12 people were, were getting baptized. And um, Tom, he, he sat on the side. At first, he was like his normal, boisterous self. Um, he had heard the gospel a lot, and he had been asked very point-blank do you believe this? And his answer was always, it's just not for me yet. Like, Jesus is great, and I love that you guys love him, and I, I, and I see how your lives are different, but he's still just a prophet for me. He's not my Savior. He's not Lord. And, we, and you know, and when someone says that to you, you just say, okay, I'm going to put you in the Lord's hands. There's really nothing else I can do. And so that summer, as we were doing the baptism service, he he was sitting over on the side just kind of watching as people shared why they would give their life to Jesus Christ. And over and over again, 12 times, he got to hear why people would choose Jesus as Lord. And then everybody started cleaning up and moving on up to like the barbecue site where we were going to have a cookout. 
but he still stayed there. And so a couple of people went over to him, and they were like, are you okay? What's going on? And he was just like, I get it now. I think the Lord has opened my eyes to see who Jesus is. And so um, that day, um, Tom gave his life to Christ, and, um, and now Tom and Jill are a family who loves the Lord and believes in Jesus, and their daughter now gets to be in a fully Christian family, not a half and half, and she doesn't have to wonder what her dad believes. She doesn't have to wonder what's going to happen to her dad. She just knows completely and surely that Jesus is Lord for her whole family. And so they're still our friends, and they're still walking with the Lord, and they're still faithfully sharing with people in their community and with their family members. And even just this past um, winter, his mom passed away of cancer. She didn't know the Lord, but um, he was, you know, they were faithful to share her with him, and that's all that we can ask for. Uh, so I want to thank you all, because you all have been faithful to share um, share Christ with me, you've been faithful to share Christ with each other, and you've been faithful to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and other um, avenues like that, which have cr made our jobs possible. And by, sh by giving, you have also joined in the work that we are doing, so I want to thank you so much for that. Good morning. Um, for my first words to you guys, I want to talk about last words. That may sound strange, but I want us to think about how important last words are. <clears throat> Sometimes we say on a light note, we try to get the last words in. Makes us feel like we won an argument, right? We don't always win the argument, but at least we feel like it. We got the last words in. But last words can also be important on a deeper level. When you say goodbye, you want to have good last words with someone. You want to say goodbye well. A couple months ago, I got to spend good time with my grandfather uh, in, in the hospital just right before he passed away, and I just, I cherish those words with him, his last words to me. I just think about them often. The text this morning, as our brother already talked about, um, are Jesus' last words. Think about it. Jesus, the God of heaven, came and lived with us for over 30 years. Think about all he went through. Think about all the things he could have said. What's he going to say? Let's open up our text. Our text is Matthew 28, 16 through 20. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, you can just uh, follow along with me. Okay, it reads, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray you would be with us now. I thank you that you are still a God who speaks. I pray you would speak to us now in this place. You'd be much glorified. In your son's name I pray, amen. 
Okay, if you, if you take notes, the main point of my sermon is this. Because of Jesus' authority and presence with us, we make disciples of all nations. All right, let me repeat it. I think the most important point of this text is because of Jesus' authority and presence with us, we make disciples of all nations. Now, I want to explain that by answering four questions, asking ourselves four questions, and I think that will help us apply it to our life. Who is Jesus talking to? What authority does Jesus have? What is he telling us? And then how do we do it? All right? Who's he talking to? What authority does he have? What's he telling us? And how do we do it? Okay, I wanted to spend time on who Jesus is talking to because I think sometimes we can be like myself and we can hear these commands and think, that's not for me. In fact, one of the most uh, impactful things in my Christian walk was, I, was when I realized this commission was not the only time Jesus said this. So my title, one of the great commissions, it's not to say Jesus commissioned his disciples, his disciples to do other things. It's to say that he says this multiple times. Now this is important because in the ancient literature, the way to emphasize a point was to repeat it. So you think about Isaiah, Isaiah 6, where he sees the Lord and he says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's so holy, you know. So they just repeat it. That's how you emphasize a point then. Church, this commission is given in Matthew. It's given in Mark. It's given in Luke. He commissions them in John. And then he commissions them again in Acts. Jesus says this five times. I believe Jesus is saying this to all his followers. This is directed to all his followers. So if you are a Jesus follower, this command is for you. What is his authority? You can tell me to do a lot of things. You know, my mom says don't drive fast. But does my mom make the speed limit? No. Now, the policeman can tell me not to drive fast, and the policeman can set a limit. And if I disobey that policeman, and he catches me, i got a penalty, right? I don't have a choice. All I can hope is I don't get caught. So what authority is Jesus claiming? I'm going to look at two things that explain his authority. Verse 17, when they saw him, they worshipped him. How many of you all have accepted worship? I don't mean praise like you did a good job, but worship. If you're a godly man, I hope you don't accept worship. I hope you say quickly, don't worship me, worship the Lord. And this is where my Muslim friends would have a problem. And the prophets are, are quick to point people to the Lord. Does Jesus here in this text correct them? No. Instead, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Is there any authority out of his control? No, it's all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is our supreme 
Lord. You cannot read the New Testament and come to any other conclusion, but Jesus is Lord. So, church, we know that Jesus is speaking to us and that Jesus is Lord. So we don't have the option to not have an obedient heart right now. We want to obey what he's saying. So what is he saying? Third question. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Okay, the the main point of this command is to make disciples. All scholars agree on this. It's to make disciples. So how do we make disciples? I want to think about it in three ways. Evangelize, baptize, and teach them, okay? Evangelize is just a church word to say like share the gospel with someone who doesn't know it, okay? So there's probably people in your life who don't believe Jesus, okay? They don't believe him as Lord, or maybe they don't act like it. And so our job is to share with them Share what Jesus has done for them. That he's lived the perfect life we couldn't live. And he died on the cross and he took the sin. If we believe in him, we are forgiven. We're cleansed from all our sins. We can have faith. We can have life in him. If they believe that, then we baptize them. Baptism doesn't save you, but it symbolizes the death you experience with Jesus and the resurrection of life you have with Jesus, okay? And then we teach them. Notice what it says here. Teach them to obey all that I commanded you. So is our goal just to have converts? No. Is our goal just to get them saved and then they're okay? No. Our goal is to teach them all that I commanded you. He's commanded us a lot. The goal is to know our Bibles well, but not just head knowledge. We need to obey them. We need to walk with the Lord. That doesn't happen overnight. It's a long process. And so we walk with people and we teach them to make disciples as well, okay? Now, how do we do this? How do we make disciples of all nations? I got two things. The first is we do it in the context of the local church, all right? Jesus doesn't say the Great Commission five times to individual disciples. He's saying it to all of them at once. That doesn't mean individual disciples don't carry this out, but they don't carry it out by themselves. So you can't be a Christian. You can't say, yeah, I love God, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. No, no. The mission of God has been given to the church. Let's turn to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 18. You don't have to go there if you don't want to, but I'm going to read it here. Matthew 16, verse 18. This is Peter's confession of Christ. (coughs) Jesus says, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, 
because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I say also to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Now, as Baptists, we know that the rock that he is building his church on is the confession of Christ. And the gates of hell will not overpower it. Church, some of you guys may have watched March Madness last month, and if you're like me, I was watching Moorhead State. That was my alma mater, and I was watching the game, and I didn't know who was going to win. I was on the edge of my seats. Are they going to win this year? They didn't, but it's okay. Jesus is not like that. We don't, we don't have to sit on the edge of our seats. He's won. When he says he's going to do something, we can believe it. He's won. Okay, so we don't try to do this task on our own, but we do it with the church. All right. Number two. We're going to read verse 20. Teaching them to observe that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We do this dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not do it on our own accord. Psalm 16.2 says, Lord, I have no good apart from you. If you think you can do it on your own strength, you can't. Ekron, if your church grows, it's not because you guys are great. I'm sure you guys are great. You guys are great people. But when new Christians come, it's because of the Lord. It's because of the power working in you. Um, now, I want to I just briefly touch on the nations, okay? The Lord doesn't call everybody to move overseas and to be a full-time vocational minister. He does call some, and if you feel that calling, I, I want you to talk to someone about it. I'd be happy to talk with, with you about it. But if, he, if you feel like the Lord is calling you to stay here, your job is not... Um, void or unimportant because one you can make disciples here you guys know plenty of people who don't need know jesus here but i want you to think about if you have a pit all right you guys live in uh what are they called uh the holes in the ground sinkholes yeah sinkhole capital of the world sinkholes everywhere all right i want you to think about a man who, who falls in a sinkhole it's deep 20 feet deep maybe how are you going to get them out? Now let's think about before technology. You have to get a rope. All right? But maybe let's think about this. If he's deep enough, you have to, you have to tie somebody. So you have to have a volunteer that says, I'll go down. You tie the rope around this one person. But you need about 10 guys to lower that one person down. That one person grabs the other guy who's lost. And then they pull them up together. Okay? This is... An analogy I've heard a missionary share. The missionary is the one who goes down into the pit to grab the person, but the other ten guys are the church who sent him out. Is either one job more important than the other? No. But it takes working together, and it takes each party being fully invested. So how can we send people to the nations? I just think about three quick things. You go, you can send people on short-term trips or send people long-term 
you can give, which what you guys have done with Lottie Moon, you guys did an amazing job. Um, just a, I, I want to say this like, uh, not authoritatively, just to throw it out, maybe as your next Lottie Moon goal. This is bold, okay, but we have a big God, all right? The average uh, missionary family, it takes about 50000 per year. You know, just an idea. You can make a goal. If you don't reach it, that's fine. But you guys went way over your other goal. I don't know. That's just an idea. Just, that's, uh, just, that's, that's, that's just a humble idea, okay? Don't think of it authoritatively. The third, um, so go give, and then the last one's pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest for the the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few could you imagine having a a big crop this year you have such a big harvest but could you imagine not being able to harvest at all what a travesty we need more laborers pray to the lord of the harvest to send more laborers um okay i want to close with just my final thought Jesus' authority and presence with us calls us to make disciples of all nations. And I started with um, Jesus' last words. But praise God, Jesus still speaks. He's still speaking today. And he's going to speak with you. He's going to be with you as you go and make disciples. You get to experience his presence with you. I'm going to pray, and then Brother Tom's going to give a very practical opportunity on how to do this. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for Eckerd Baptist Church, and I thank you for their generosity to give to missions, Lord. And I thank you for them striving to fulfill your great commission, Lord. I just pray you would continue to empower them to do what you have called us all to do, Lord. In your son's name I pray, amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.